Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And this promises to be a fun, interesting, dramatic, there's probably other words to use. Possibly depressing. Possibly depressing sports day in Minnesota. Loads of shows today. Lou Nanny, Dan Hayes, a little sports culture today, too. Get things rolling with the opening bell. One ring the bell. Two and two. That's to the gap in left center. Reddick is cutting over. He won't get there. Grossman with a two out extra base hit. And he will slam on the brakes with an RBI double. Bauer with an RBI single, and now he's three hits away from number 2,000. So we're, uh, we're going to have a lot on Wild Jets throughout the show here. We have all kinds of Timberwolves Nuggets discussions to be had, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But what a difference 11 months makes for the Minnesota Twins, and they still have another one today. Like, we'll see what happens against the Astros today. Uh, but when you compare... These two games at Target Field against the best team in baseball. So the three games that were played at Target Field in May of 2017. Just a little bit different? It's not close. Yes. You've got the numbers. You've done the math this morning. Yeah, so here's what we've got uh, from the starters and the bullpen in May of 2017. Three game series. Three three game series. uh, and, And by this point, so two games into the three game series, your Minnesota Twins have been outscored 23 to 10. It would go on to be 40 to 16 because the Strohs wow. w- would put up 17 runs in game number three. Yeah, the, the Twins were up, I believe it was either the first or it the, was the third first game. game. Eight to two. It go- was the Irv, first game. Irv pitched well. They were Irv eight did. to two going into the eighth, and then yes. the bullpen sat there for two hours lobbing underhand pitches to Astros hitters. So here's what you got from your uh, three starters in May of 2017 from Irvin Santana, Jose Barrios, and our buddy Hector Santiago. <laughs> 18 innings pitched. 18 hits, 12 runs, 11 of them earned, Yeah. 8 walks, 14 strikeouts, and 4 home runs surrendered, including 3 by Hector in the 17-6 loss. So your bullpen was needed, aside from Game 1, because Irv pitched 7 in Game 1, but besides that, your bullpen had to come in and save the day. Unfortunately, here were their statistics in that 3-game series. 9 innings pitched. I'll speak slowly here because it is impressively bad. 29 hits in nine innings. <laughs> 28 runs in nine innings. Oh. 26 of those runs were earned. They walked 10. They struck out three. Yeah. They gave up six home runs. And that, Phil Mackey, is how you get outscored 40 to 16 in a three game series yes. and you get swept. Yes. And again, like these are, that was an extreme sample. The Twins weren't as bad as that series indicated. And they fixed their bullpen to some degree throughout the year when Hildenberger came up. 
Uh, and 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 much like right now in these two games, would I expect the Twins to hold the Astros to an average of two runs per game if they played all the time throughout the year? No. So we're dealing with two very much uh, you know extreme endpoints here. But like just. Look at the list of pitchers used 11 months ago in that series. You mentioned some of these guys. So Hector Santiago made a start in that Astros series. Mm-hmm. Craig Breslow was sacrificed a couple times in that series. Drew Rusinski, Buddy Boshears, Jason Wheeler, and Chris Jimenez. Chris Jimenez was Come on uh, in, one of the Twins pitchers. Yes, he was. Uh, so, you know, has it been... Has it been uh, like beautiful performances and flawless Max Scherzer-like performances by Lance Lynn and by Jake Odorizzi? No, they've been grinding. They've been putting guys on base. But uh, I think it's a good sign that those guys are able to, former first-round picks, both guys who've had a ton of success at times in their big league careers, they're both in their primes, and they can stare that lineup down, both of them, and get outs with a runner in scoring position. They're not... They're not up there yes. wide-eyed and you know urine running down their leg when faced with Jose Altuve and Carlos yes. Correa and George Springer. The impressive thing to me is this. In the first two games of this series, uh, the two starters have walked nine guys. That's one more than they walked than the starters walked in the entire three-game series last year against the Strohs, and yet they've given up between them one run. That's the impressive thing. Oda Rizzi was not good last night, but what he kept doing was Recovering, if I'm not mistaken, he walked. Uh, he he pitched what six innings? Is that correct? Yes, he walked the uh, first guy on three occasions, gave up a hit on one. So you're right; they haven't been great, but they can keep you in games. And your bullpens so far: seven innings, six hits, only two runs, five strikeouts, no walks. This this is going. This uh, conversation is going to keep coming back to this. This bullpen is drastically different, and it's pretty good. I mean, last year, as you, you just went through the list of guys that you brought in, and for the most part, you said to yourself, okay, this ain't going to work, or this is going to be a disaster. The difference now is you can bring in a group from the bullpen that can that can actually do th- their job. It's not sexy, but it was imperative. That was the most, I, I thought, that was among the most important things that this team improved was the fact that they can now bring in guys who are going to be able to uh, keep teams off the scoreboard where last year it turned into a gong show at yeah, times. Something else worth noting, too, on the Astros. So uh, they have one through nine. They just have hitters who are going to work counts. And they they hit almost 240 home runs as a team last year, which is a very impressive total. Like anything over 200. Now, the last couple of years, we're, we've, we've seen record numbers of baseballs fly out of stadiums. So it's like the home runs are inflated, but... They hit the home runs, and you think, oh, if it's a home run hitting team and it's a power team, you're going to have a lot of strikeouts, too. Kind of like the Twins, right? The Twins hit a lot of home runs, too, but you're going to get a ton of strikeouts with Sano again last night, a bunch of strikeouts, and Byron Buxton and so on. The Astros don't really strike out. It's incredible. Like they're They take tough at-bats. They only had two guys on their team last year strike out more than 100 times, and one of them's gone. It's Carlos Beltran. He's off the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they'll grind these at-bats. That's one thing to watch for when you're kind of nitpicking and saying, ah, I don't know if like the Lance Lynn and Jake Odorizzi, they, they walk the tightrope, and they walk some guys, and they put guys on base. That's the Astros. Like That's almost a prerequisite going into an Astros series. You're, those guys are going to get on base. Can you get out of those jams with runners on first and third and runners on second and third? And the answer has been yes with the bullpen and, and the one, starters. One That's run good, to good in, in two games. 
You'll take that every single time, especially for a, especially when, when you consider that these guys, as we said before, gave up 40 runs in three games last season. Exactly. 40 runs. Exactly. Uh, later on, we will talk to Dan Hayes, who we actually met for the first time last night. Dan Hayes has been a regular on our show, and he's uh, he's here from Chicago. Used to cover the White Sox, and he writes about the Twins for the Athletic. He'll join at 10 at uh, 11.30 today. Lou Nanny at 10, but tonight, 7 o'clock. Ding, ding. So just be ready. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us. Uh, you know, you got to go out there and play, and you got to earn it. So we're looking forward to it. It's a simple formula. we got to go out there and win. I mean, there's no other way of, uh, of uh, saying it. You just got to go out there and find a way to get a W. Oh, this is the biggest game. You know, my career, my basketball career in general, you know, not only in NBA, but, you know, college on any level, you know, this is the biggest game. Um, I feel good. You know, I feel confident. You know, I feel we played a good game last time we played them. You know, we just came, came short at the end, you know, but I'm looking forward to this one. Every game counts, you know. It's a game you can look back on. We lost teams that we had no business losing to, and, you know, it's haunting us now. What was that? La- I'm, I I dozed off. I dozed off during that I last. Think, I think Andrew batch of sound bites. What what's going on? Uh, Andrew's confident. Oh he's saying good. He's confident. Oh good. I wouldn't want him not to yes. be confident. No, he's very confident. Um, here are some scenarios. So that it's as far as will they make the playoffs? It's very easy. They have to win to get in. If they lose, there's no chance they're out. So that that part's very easy. Um, but as far as where they would be seated. That keeps changing and evolving based on what other teams are doing. Our friend Chris Long from KSGP TV has these scenarios that he posted on Twitter last time. I'm going to take his word for these. I'm going right. to trust that he did the proper research. We trust Chris Long on this show. So they can't take the five seed anymore because Utah had to lose both to Golden State and Portland to make that happen. And they beat Golden State by 40 points last night. So the the five seed yeah, is State, out of the equation Gold for the State Wolves. Golden State didn't care too much last night. No, they were uh, and they played like they played everyone but Steph Curry, who's who's going to be out throughout the first round. We'll get to some of that later, but here are the scenarios: the Wolves can still earn the six seed if all of these are if they win tonight, if San Antonio beats New Orleans, and if Memphis beats Oklahoma City. In that scenario, the Wolves would take the six seed and have a pretty good chance. I mean. I, I think I'd still pick Portland to win in a 3-6 matchup, but you'd have a chance to beat Portland, which doesn't play a lot of defense, neither do the Wolves, in a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. Here is uh, here are the other three scenarios. The eight seed, if the Wolves beat Denver, New Orleans beats San Antonio tonight, and Oklahoma City beats Memphis. That seems fairly likely. I think that New Orleans-San Antonio game is kind of a coin flip. We'll see what happens. Uh, the other two scenarios for the seven seed are Wolves beat Denver, New Orleans beats San Antonio, and then Memphis beats Oklahoma City. I don't think Memphis is going to beat Oklahoma City, so you can almost rule that out. Mm -hmm. Which comes down to this other one. Wolves beat Denver, San Antonio beats New Orleans, Oklahoma City beats Memphis. So you're destined for the, if you win, the 7 or the 8 seed, depending on who wins the New Orleans-San Antonio matchup. And if you're rooting for a 7 seed, then you're rooting for San Antonio tonight. So you get so you get uh, Houston or Golden State. That's a great choice. Four yes, games, unless, four un- games, maybe five. Unless Memphis beats Oklahoma City, in which case it opens up the door for the six seed. Memphis ain't going to win that very game, unlikely. Right? This is the first season finale. Winner goes to the playoffs. L- loser goes home game in the NBA since 1997. Wow, when Washington beat Cleveland. 
This is only the... And then Washington, I think, got smoked by the Bulls probably in the first round, right? Of 1997. I'm sure they did. In the second uh, year of their second three-peat. This is only dating back to the Indianapolis Olympians in 1952-53. This is only the sixth time this has happened. Yeah. Interesting. In league history. I mean, it has to be such a perfect storm of circumstances, right? I mean, you have to have teams that are vying at the end of, the, of an 82-game season. And, then it's, and it's unlike Major League Baseball where you have divisions that you're trying to win and there's only four teams in a division and you play your division opponents on a much more regular basis it's much more likely in a sport like baseball where you play the white Sox and you play the the indians 20 times um i think there are three general formulas or three general things that would have to happen for the wolves to beat denver tonight number one would be just hoping a really good three-point shooting team goes ice cold i wouldn't count on that i think you have to count on them hitting like 40% of their threes And they didn't uh, shoot that well in Denver last week and still beat you. They did. Their three-point shooting on Thursday night in Denver was not good. And you you still lost But you didn't have Jimmy Butler in that game. True. But I'm just saying they still weren't good in that game. Three-point shooting, they still won it. But in the absence of Denver clanking threes, I think Jimmy and Cat are going to have to have like you know, KG Western Conference Finals or KG second round 4 type games where you just you, you bring your lunch pail you're going to grind out minutes. You're going to play defense. You're going to bring energy. You're going to score efficiently. Um, I think it's going to have to be a Jimmy, and that would be Formula 2, a Jimmy Cat dominating performance because those are the two best guys. If you combine the entire Nuggets and Wolves rosters, those are the two best players on the court tonight. Another formula would involve Andrew Wiggins not playing? W- waking up from oh, his okay. two-week coma here, or, I mean, there kind he's... of a four-year coma for me, but, but a two-week coma for sure. And going off at least offensively, but how about this? Andrew Wiggins' last, if we're, if we're going to classify a truly big offensive performance, let's say as 25-plus points on respectable shooting, so 45%-plus from the field. His last game like that came nine games ago against the Clippers where he went for 27 points on 9 of 16, so nine games ago. That's like a you know 10% of the schedule came off the board. He only has eight such games like that all year where he went for at least 25 points yeah. on respectable shooting, so 45% shooting. There is Think a, about that. There is a better chance that Memphis wins its game than Wiggy goes off tonight. You think so? I think this is a game in which Butler— there's a Butler, chance he might show up tonight. I think Butler— And I'm anti I, I don't think Butler's going to give him the ball. I think Butler's going to well. play—I think Butler's going to play— a massive amount of time in this game, and I think he's going to have a huge game. Well, Wiggins is going to win his, or lose on that. But Judd, Wiggins is going to get his—he's going to get 15 shots or whatever. He, like he's going to take. Shots. I think Jimmy. I he think, takes shots. Sure, but I think Jimmy Butler is going to have the, the ball a ton, and this game is going to ride on him. He's, it's going to ride on him, and he's going to play. He's going to play enough time where when, when they get to the the playoffs, you're going to say he might be fried now, but he's not going to care. Let's take a trip down quickly here. Let's take a trip down memory lane of why tonight's game should not be necessary. Why tonight's game should mean nothing to the Wolves. Why it should be a practice game. I looked this up. So you lost to, let's go through this, once, one time apiece, you lost to Orlando, 24 and 57. Yeah. You lost to Atlanta, 24 and 58. You lost at Brooklyn, 28 and 53. You lost to the Bulls, 27 and 54. Ladies and gentlemen, I just presented to you the four worst teams in the Eastern Conference. Wow. But I'm not done. Because you also managed to lose twice to the Memphis Grizzlies, who are 22 and 59, and the Phoenix Suns, who finished 21 and 61. Ladies and gentlemen, those are your two worst teams in the National Basketball Association. 
That's why tonight's game should be nothing more than a practice game for you. That seems less than ideal. Less than ideal. How about that? Memphis and Phoenix beat you not once but twice apiece. Uh, so so that's is that eight total games that you just listed? One, two, right? three, four. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is. So let's say eight no would be ideal in those games, right? I mean, eight no would be. It would be, yes. But that, but that, but you know, you slip up sometimes. Yes. So let's say you went six and two in those games, mm-hmm. and uh, and and you give them a win tonight. Let's say they were so finish out the eighty-two game schedule. Mm-hmm. They'd have fifty-three wins instead of the forty-seven that they would have if they beat Denver tonight, and that would put them five games up of Utah <laughs> for the three seed. Okay. And uh, and five games back of Golden State for the two seed. So obviously you'd be. You'd elevate above the fray if you would have just taken care of business. But alas, here they are tonight. Having not taken care of business, they got to do it tonight at Target Center. Uh, We're going to talk a lot of wild throughout the rest of this hour. Lou Nanny at the top at 10 o'clock. Dan Hayes, like we said, talking twins at 1130. And uh, one half of the Crafty Rogues, John Cosgrove, will come in. And uh, we can talk about, we can get his view on this fun American sports night tonight, too. At noon, we'll get some sports culture. But... A great question posed by our friend Justin, loyal listener Justin, on Twitter this morning. If you could guarantee victory for one team tonight, Wilder Wolves, who would you give your lifeline to? Who would you guarantee victory for? Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are back. Audio levels full volume. It's go time. On 1500 ESPN. Oh, this is a big game. You know, my career, my basketball career in general. You know, not only NBA, but, you know, college. On any level, you know, this is the biggest game. Um, I feel good. You know, I feel confident. You know, I feel we played a good game last time we played them. You know, we just came, came short at the end. You know, but I'm looking forward to this one. Every game counts. You know, it's a game you can look back on. We lost a team that we had no business losing to. And, you know, it's haunting us Here's now. for you. If you're on the fence about what happens in that Wolves-Denver game tonight, does listening to Andrew Wiggins... The last three clips we just played. Does that make you more confident or less confident? It truly inspires me <laughs> to want to buy tickets and go go watch that game tonight. Because I mean, they're just you know, it's a huge game. Oh, this is the biggest game, you know, my career, my basketball career, in general. You know, not only NBA but you know, college on any level. You know, this is the biggest game. <laughs> Except for that one oh, game in dude. third grade. It's amazing. That was a big deal too for him. Man. Um. All right. Great question from Justin in Rochester before our show here. We've been uh, tweeting up a storm the last 12 hours or so. Twins, Wild Wolves, it's a big sports day in Minnesota. If you could guarantee victory for Wild or Wolves, but only one of them tonight, who mm-hmm. would you guarantee victory for? Uh, for me, that's simple. Wild. Because I, th- I think if they win game one, that's a springboard to actually upsetting the Jets in that series. Uh, if the Wolves win, it'll be interesting. Uh, it, it'd be nice for them as a franchise to break their 13-year playoff drought. But that being said, you're almost certainly going to get the seven or eight seed, and you're going to so you're going to play either uh, Golden State or Houston, and you're going to get drubbed in four games. Maybe if you play Golden State, you get Game Three at home, but mm-hmm. it's going to go what five games then? So. From a practical standpoint, not not saying this as a hockey guy, but from a practical standpoint, I think if the Wild wins tonight, it's a big deal. If the Wolves win, it's a big deal for the franchise, but it basically sends you into the fiery pit of hell of the playoffs being done in four or five games. So, yeah, on the surface, I think, well, one, one game is a must-win to get to the playoffs, Wolves. The other, Wild, I mean, if you if you lose game one, it's a road game. You could still steal game two and... 
and now you've swayed home ice advantage. So, like, on the surface, the answer is obvious. Well, you would guarantee a victory for the Wolves, right, to get them into the playoffs and like then, and then just hope that the Wild could win game two or get hot at home or whatever the case may be. But I would guarantee victory for the Wild as well. Wow. Yes. I would guarantee victory for the Wild because if you were to it, – it's a younger team. If you're looking for the best blueprint to get to the second round of the playoffs and maybe advance further, winning game one would seem to be really important in this series. And on the Wolves' side, well, while not guaranteeing them victory, let's say that leads to a loss, I think a loss can actually lead to positive change. I don't I don't think you have to feel overly depressed. If you're, look, if you're rooting for long-term Wolves' success, if they lose tonight, I do think there's a far greater than 0% chance that Tom Thibodeau wouldn't remain in his current positions. Um, I, I don't think I, things aren't smooth behind the scenes. So if you're if you're rooting for long term success and you feel like Tom Thibodeau is holding the Wolves back or not raising the water as much as he should, um, then you know, par, you know maybe part of you is actually rooting for them to lose tonight. And we've received a ton of people who love the Wolves who are conflicted, emailing us and tweeting at us. Also, I think if the Wolves were to lose the game tonight, they'd look to make some positive changes to the roster. You know, maybe Jamal Crawford's just not the fit that you thought he would be. Eight months ago, maybe Gorgie Jang or Andrew Wiggins get traded and another piece comes in that's a better complimentary piece to Jimmy Butler or Carl Anthony Towns, regardless of who the coach or president of basketball operations is. So, like, I guess I don't look at this game for the Wolves tonight as if they lose, the world has come to an end. I mean, it, it would just be well, right, it would just be another not, year in a 14 yeah. year stretch of it, it's, it would just be normalcy for the Wolves to lose this game. And maybe it would lead to some changes that would propel them in 2018-19. So I would guarantee victory for the Wild. I can't sounds de- kind of crazy, but I would. I can't decide what Glenn would, would do if they lose. I mean, we've certainly heard the the rumblings that Tibbs, who clearly is not that popular, could be in trouble if they lose. I can't decide if he would pull the plug or he would try and talk to Tibbs and say, okay, rein this in, rein that, that, that in. And to go back to what we've talked about for a week now, you also have the concern of, okay, if you decided that Tibbs was not the guy and to fire Tibbs, would you find the right guy, which is a concern as well. But, yeah, I think if if you were talking about the Wolves possibly winning this game and realistically playing Portland for sure, I'd say, yeah, great, fantastic. Well, that's the least likely of right, the Right, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. So when you're talking about you're, you're going to play Houston, which I think would sweep you in four games, or Golden State, which is not playing well now, but is going to turn it, it on for the playoffs, and you might get five games there, you're going to be done. You're going to be done. So the issue I have is, is if I had complete confidence in the Wolves to look at their predicament, if they lost and say, this needs to change, this guy needs to go, I'd say that's fantastic, but I lack that confidence. Because of Glenn. And I have no idea if Glenn would say, ah, you know, I think we're on the right track here, but but Tom might not be the guy. Okay, if he says that, is he then going to go out and find well, the right guy? And I have, we all have but severe doubts on that. Well, a couple things. So let's keep going down this, if they were to lose the game tonight path. It sounds like you keep leaning toward, well, I don't know if, 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 if firing Tom Thibodeau is the right thing because he's going to screw up the next guy. Like, that doesn't. That shouldn't factor in, and not, nor should the money, by the way. People are overvaluing the money side of this. Well, he would never no. eat $24 million. Okay, if you think Tom Thibodeau isn't the right guy, the money shouldn't matter. You can. I mean, Glenn Taylor has been looking to sell off shares of the Wolves anyway. I don't think the money anyways. will matter. 
I, I, but, but my point, my point is this: I just don't know if they fire Tibbs. Do I have the confidence that they would find the next guy to step in and seamlessly tra- transition in and be the right guy? And my answer is no. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't do it. It just means that my confidence in this franchise under Glenn to make the right decision remains very small. Of course, it, yeah. it has not changed. Yeah, I mean, and that's I, my yeah, point. And he obviously gave way too much power to somebody who. And this is where we were both wrong on this show two years ago. He gave way too much power to somebody who just hasn't been able to connect with younger players and hasn't been able to, you know, grow a defensive system that works in today's NBA and all these things. I mean, it's it's obviously flawed. Now, could you could you hang on to him, tweak the roster, knowing that he's flawed and that he's overpaid and probably not the right guy long term, and still take another step next year? Yes, I think there's still a scenario in which. Whether they win or lose, they could make two or three tweaks to the roster. Maybe they get a taker on Andrew Wiggins if you feel like his contract's too much of an albatross. But some other team says, you know what? You know, we're uh, you know, pick one of these teams that you just read off that they lost to this year, yeah. right? Maybe the Suns or the I'm making teams up here, but a team that would say, you know, if we we could bring that guy in and we can absorb the contract and he can be the focal point and we'll and we're gonna we're gonna make it we'll work. Fix like there's gonna be a team. So yes. there are things you could do with the roster to bolster what you have in Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler. And I got to think that Tom Thibodeau is like Tom Thibodeau is all in on trying to win a championship in his own flawed way with his own, you know, bizarre. That's and, what this whole thing's about. And his communication skills lacking. Like, so this team, I think the team gets better next year, barring injuries, almost no matter what, but I'm not like, I'm not going to be devastated if they lose this game tonight. I'm just not. I'm not because you're because you're not going to be surprised. No, it's not even that, Judd. See, it's I'm not, not. It's not. It has nothing to do with the surprise. See, it does for me. The surprise is irrelevant because obviously, like, it's a coin flip game tonight, so you you shouldn't be shocked if they lose. And it's the Wolves. I wouldn't be sad if they lost the game because I think it's going to lead to positive change, either ten percent or a hundred percent, depending on I the, think you the are, scale of the change. I think you are are too optimistic about that, but with this franchise. I look at this game, and I honestly am going to go to this game because I see it as a car crash. I'm rubbernecking. I'm rubbernecking this game. No, I'm dead serious. I look at this game. I'm not going to go. I I am curious. I'm curious. I'm not expecting a thing. I think Butler goes crazy and plays a great game. It might be enough. It might not. But I really see this game. I don't see this game as being, oh, man, this is a, a... moment where I expect some type of greatness. I see this game as being a car crash. And I'm curious. But but I feel like I feel like I'm going to look and it's going to be interesting no matter what happens. So like if they lose, it's going to be interesting. If they win, same thing. For sure. It's just it's a it's a weird circumstance because ordinarily with a game like this, if it involves the Vikings, the twins the wild, you go and you think to yourself, I've got some sort of expectation. I go to this game tonight with zero expectation of what I'm going to see. And I think I think the way, the conflicted way in which I feel, and then sort of the ambulance chaser way that you feel, I think it reflects a large percentage of people who are going to be watching the game in the same, through the same prisms. How did we get here? How did we, let's answer that when we come back. How did we get to this point where a play-in game for the first playoff appearance in 14 years is met with mixed reaction on what the result could be, right? Like, well, if they lose, I don't know. I mean, that's like, that's how most people feel. Yes. So how did we get to the point where it's not just a consensus 100% they have to win this game or I'm going to be devastated? All right. 651-646-8255 if you want to chime in. 
And uh, we're going to talk about that Wild Jet series that starts tonight, too, later this hour, and Lou Nanny at 10 o'clock. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. How long did the show last? More than seven hours. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. It's simple formula. you got to go out there and win. I mean, there's no other way of, uh, of uh, saying it. you just got to go out there and find a way to get a W. All right, Mackie and Judd, Lou Nanny here in about 25, 30 minutes. Talk about that Wild Jet series here shortly. But the question that we posed there, and actually, you know what? Let's just read some reaction here because it kind of sets up the feeling among Wolves fans going into tonight, which instead of being this all-in do-or-die feeling, if they win, elation, if they lose, devastation because the Wolves haven't been in a playoff series in 14 years, it's kind of like, yeah, it'd be fun to see him in the playoffs, but I mean, if they lose, maybe they, yeah, maybe they fire. It's going to be like interesting either way. People are kind of like, oh, yeah, I could see, I could see them losing, and it wouldn't be that bad. Uh, <laughs> here's one comment on Twitter: If you are a practical thinking fan in terms of long term success, the Wolves making the playoffs is not a good thing. The status quo is not going to help this team. Hold on, it scrolled down. They need some drastic changes to actually have a chance at winning it all in the next three to five years. Here's an email from our guy, the dude, diehard Wolves fan. I don't know how to feel about tonight. I'm truly torn. On one hand, the Wolves have an opportunity to go to the playoffs, and I really need to see that because I was 16 years old the last time that happened, and I definitely didn't appreciate the runs as much as I would today. But on the other hand, the repercussions of getting in may be more than I can bear. If we are in, that guarantees another year of Tibbs, and you can just kill me now. It also means a wild-esque playoff feel with a drudging uh, with a drudging in the first round. On the flip side, if we lose, there's a chance, even if it's a tiny chance, that Tom Thibodeau is gone, or we can allow our young stars to get behind a coach who will get behind them with the right kind of approach and attitude. I'll cheer for them and swallow whatever happens. Secretly happy either way tonight with either result. I think what the dude just said is is 1,000% how, how true fans feel right now about this team. I really do. And, and the wild comparison especially in the O years, is very apt. It's very accurate, which is, oh, they might do something, but I doubt it. Uh, here's another one. This is from our buddy Wade Keller. Uh, if you're a professional wrestling fan, Wade Keller is he, he's Wade Keller is like uh, the Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter. Or he's, like, he's one of the great, he's one of my favorite wrestling opinionists and insiders, uh, PW Torch Pro Wrestling Podcast on Podcast One. And he tweets into the show yesterday, the Wolves would easily be the fourth seed, if not the third seed, if Butler didn't get injured. So through that lens, it's not utter disaster this season. The question is, why is this market not in love with and enthusiastic about a team this improved from past years? Which I think is a, is a really fair point. And we were talking about this with Dave before the show. That if Butler had played the whole season, let's give them an extra five wins or whatever, like they'd be the three seed right now. And they'd be a 50-plus win team. And we'd be looking at them, I think, with a much more positive feeling going into the playoffs if they were the three seed you instead a first of like, chance. Correct. Yeah. So so I agree with that. Um so if that's the case, it's a very fair argument. Well then like the angst is because of Jimmy Butler's injury, right? No. Here's what the angst is. It's the same thing the Green Bay Packers went through this year. It's Green Bay Packer fan angst. Where you're so reliant on this one thing and you didn't really understand how reliant you were on this one thing and that one thing goes away and everything else is exposed as fraudulent in some way or poorly coached, or underachieving, or whatever whatever the thing is. As a whole, the Green Bay Packers are a winning team. They're a championship contending team on a regular basis. They provide fans more joy than most NFL teams. But 
when you realize that it's one thing propping up the entire operation, you take Aaron Rodgers away and holy crap, that's a four and 12 football team that, that Aaron Rodgers is gluing together. So you take Jimmy Butler away and it's absolutely not a playoff team. And I think people are mad that the like the rest of it, we've got Towns number one overall and Wiggins number one overall. And you got Jeff Teague, who's been, you know, a top half of the league point guard and all these pieces and Jamal Crawford and Gorgie Jang was a first round pick and he's been a double double guy. And why does it look like crap with that pretty good collection in a league where half the teams make the playoffs more than that? Why does that collection minus Jimmy Butler look so chaotic and look so miserable? And why does the coach look so miserable? People are seeing that. They're like, I, you take Aaron Rodgers away, you take Jimmy Butler away, and people are like, "This shouldn't. Look, it shouldn't look like this. I it think, shouldn't look like this." I think put in, in the most simplest terms possible that this is a fan base that does not, and rightfully so to a large extent, does not embrace Tibbs, and Tibbs is a joyless person, and this whole thing has been joyless. Even with Butler, it's joyless. Now, Butler tries to make it fun. Butler sort of gets it, but... Tibbs is a joyless person, and he has no personality. And, and this is a this is a weird market in that sense because we're not really a blue collar, just go win games, boy sports town. We're sort of a nuanced white collar sports town, and we like like we want you to win games, but we want it but to we be want with it to be sort of fun, guardy. But we yeah, yeah. right. But like, we we want a certain level of joy to it. Sure. And the wolf season has been joyless. There's no fun to it. Tibbs is it. It's a funny joke, but Tibbs' constant yelling, I think, grates on people in this market in a very big way. And so I really believe that the reason why this comes off as being, uh, well, I mean, they're pretty, they're a decent team, but I don't like them, is based on one thing. It's Tibbs. And, and the one person being sold incredibly short, and it's a real shame because he's unbelievable, is Cat. Carl Anthony Towns should be celebrated every day. If if you're a sports fan in this town, we are sort of we look at him and and I feel like we're, we're already taking him for granted to a large degree. But this is a guy. This is a a generational great player. And in my opinion, this is the type of guy who who we should buy tickets to go see and and should be talked about continually. And he's talked about a lot, but we don't celebrate him. And I really think well, it's hard to celebrate him until you get to the playoffs. Or and it's, like, it's hard some to celebrate reason. him too when the process is again joyless. The Hawks game was a magnificent display. Was scored fifty six points. A magnificent display of basketball, which once again didn't come with any joy. And in this market, like it or not, we want some joy. We want some fun. Guardy's a great example. Guardy had fun and. So, fair or not, I really believe that this team's biggest problem right now is the fact that we don't really like the head coach a bit. And he runs the entire show. Uh, Lubomir tweets in, I stopped going to games because of Tibbs yelling. (laughs) Uh, Kirk tweets in, I think the Wolves' angst is because this team shouldn't be fighting for a playoff spot. That should have been last year. This year they should have clinched two weeks ago and maybe fighting for a home playoff spot. I agree with that. And I do think this team should have been much closer to a playoff spot last year if Tom Thibodeau were able to connect with those younger players, much like, I mean, look at the Sixers this year, for God's sakes. But the Sixers, like, they've won 15 games in a row, and, you know, Cleveland's kind of a disaster outside of LeBron. Boston's missing its two best players for the entirety yeah, of Brad the playoffs. Brad Stevens is phenomenal. It's very possible the 76ers might get to the NBA Finals this year if they stay hot like this. I mean, it's they've won 50 games, and that's a young collection, so... 
you could say that the difference between last year's Wolves team and this year's Wolves team is mostly just Jimmy Butler. Now, Taj Gibson helps a lot, too. It's mostly just Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And um, and that's where right. I say Tom Thibodeau, the executive, actually had a better year than Tom Thibodeau, the coach, because he just he brought in Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler is one of the 10 best players in the NBA, and and I will root whether Jimmy Butler plays for the Wolves the rest of his career or somewhere else. He's now become one of my favorite players. He's an energizer bunny. Um, I, I, he, he changes the level of energy on the court. I think he's a great leader in some ways. In other ways, I don't know. Like, obviously... Obviously, he has an interesting style of leadership where he's not he's not shy to call people out. He's very abrasive in that way. I mean, Kobe was very abrasive too. Michael Jordan was abrasive. Yes. Um, so sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. LeBron James is more of a put his arm around someone or be passive aggressive. He's, and- he's the one guy, Rose and Gibson perhaps too, but Butler's the one guy who you could say without question gets Tibbs. He's Tibbs' guy. And, and he is good enough where it makes sense for Tibbs. The Rose thing, I don't get, but... He's the one guy who completely gets Tibbs. But it's sort of, as I said last week, it seems to me that it's Butler and Tibbs, and they get it, and they're convinced the rest of us and the rest of their teammates don't. Yeah, And that's a problem. You've got to develop guys. And Cat's going to develop regardless. But once you get past Cat, now you got you got this young group that I think it's very important that you develop. They're not developing. W- Wiggins is going backwards. Bielitsa, who stepped in when Butler got hurt and was really good, I don't believe he took a shot in the game against Memphis on Monday yeah, he's until, until the fourth quarter. He's pretty soft. Right, like but when, I, when he's playing confident and playing at his peak, he's actually one of their best players. But, but that's a guy like, that you've got to work with to to instill that confidence, right? Yeah, you have to empower a guy like yes. that. And you have to empower a guy like Wiggins. And this is, I don't know. And instead, so. it's let's bring Derrick Rose back. So all of that is why it's just a, a weird, conflicting feeling tonight. 7 o'clock, Target Center. And I'm just going to sit back either way. Either way. Cocktail in hand or two? I don't know. Might not even need a cocktail tonight. (laughs) The sports high might be good enough tonight in the Twin Cities and in Winnipeg. You stayed up until 1 a.m. after the Lakers lost. Yeah, well, there was much more. I think think there was much more uncertainty with that Lakers game. The Lakers was a win. I'm going to call you. The Lakers was a win. You're talking about a different game, right? They oh no! I'm Lakers. sorry. The game, the game Talking before Denver. That. the Denver, the game. Denver game. Yeah, you stood yeah. up till one a.m. after the Denver yeah. game. I'm sorry. Thank um, you. Let's come back and talk about Game One Wild Jets when we come back here. Lou Nanny will join at ten o'clock, and we'll get back into Wolves, back into Twins throughout the show. Luther Brookdale Toyota is along uh, with our four-hour show and on the Touch 'Em All podcast as well. Which uh, there's another episode posted from Target Field last night where we discussed Miguel Sano and strikeouts and how much they matter and what he can be as a player and all kinds of other things. So thank you to the uh, fine folks at Luther Brookdale Toyota for keeping our microphones on on a regular basis. Also, I know it's tough to believe because there's still snow on the ground here, but at some point, cabin weather and summer weather is going to be on the horizon, which means road trips for you. Make sure your tires are in working order. Don't take any risks. Right now, the annual tire sale is going on at Luther Brookdale Toyota Bay. Any three and get the fourth one for just a dollar on any Toyota. Also, uh, they'll do sort of some uh, battery checks and standard inspections to make sure, again, that your car is running safe. It's it's built-in confidence, and it's peace of mind that you get working with the folks at Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, and you can stop by the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Here we go! 
1500 ESPN. MLB The Show 18 is now out featuring a huge roster of past legends and current superstars in Diamond Dynasty. Hit the field with legends of every era, including Babe Ruth. For those who crave the best of baseball, MLB The Show 18, welcome to the show. Rated E for everyone. Head to the 1500 ESPN stream player for details on how you can win a copy. You have less uh, less room for error because they're always coming at you. You know, you can't have that 10-minute break, so to speak, and and play normal. You always have to be on your toes playing the right way um, because, I mean, <clears throat> one line is as good as the next line. So it's not a question of uh, uh, that they're overly deep. It's just a question you got to play the same way to defend player A as to player X on their team. Can you can you decipher that? Bruce um, Woodrow talking hockey, breaking it down. They go for they go the Jets go four lines deep. Great depth. Big team. Sure. Big defensemen. They're gonna be tough. That's well, what Bruce is saying. A lot of hockeyisms there. Be tough, big. You know, four check. They're gonna be great. Four checking. Hey, listen. Listen, as a basketball guy, you you should say this. Tibbs has spent the entire year sounding like a ho- hockey coach, right? So you're used to it by now. You got to be tougher. You got to be grittier. You got to want it more. Yeah, he spent the entire season in post game press conferences, sure. especially after the Wolves lose, talking like Bruce does. So yeah, yeah you've got to you got to have a want to. You got to have a will. That's uh, what you got to have. In are hockey you on the basketball. record officially on fifteen hundred ESPN.com? Yes, I am. All right, I posted this last night. So I went. I'm saying Western Conference Finals, a surprise yes. run to the Western I'm Conference not going Finals. That, I'm not going that far, but as, as clearly not. But as we talked about, as we discussed at the uh, at the outset of today's show, if you ask me, would I rather the, the the Wolves win tonight or the Wild wins? And the Wolves have to win to get into the playoffs, and it's only Game One of a playoff series against the Jets. Which would I prefer? I said a Wild win. Because Zolgad's five thoughts, the keys to this series, start with that. You go into Winnipeg tonight. It's going to be a packed arena. The Jets are heavily favored. And the pressure is on them, right? You've got no pressure. A a year ago, you played the Blues in game one here, and you're coming off this great season. And the pressure was on you completely. And the Blues win 2-1 in OT, and that swayed the entire series, and it was done in five games. So my top priority, if I'm the Wild, is you go in, you win this game. The Jets start to get tight. It changes things. Uh, Spurgeon has to play, which I think he will. I'm curious how uh, how far back he is from the hamstring that he partially tore, but he missed the last 12 games. But if Spurgeon comes back and can play and can be effective, if Dumba can be effective, and he's still going to make some some idiotic mistakes, but if he can play the way he's capable of playing, you need Dubnik to have a big series. And then forward-wise, the two guys that I think that you are imperative to play well, they have to play well. Granlund, who broke his hand early, I believe, in the St. Louis series last year and finished in the five games with two assists. But Granlund is one of, if he is, is healthy, one of the most talented players on the ice. If Granlund plays well, and the other guy who's disappeared way too much, Charlie Coyle. He's six foot three. The Jets are big. If Charlie Coyle asserts himself, if you can get those things to come together, what I predicted was wild in seven games. There's too much momentum for well, the Jets say here. Say that again. I'm sorry. Okay. What I predicted, if all of those things come together, Phil Mackey, was wild 
in seven games. You hear that, LaPanta? You hear that, Greenway? I'm on board. Team Wild. There it is. Uh, you know what I just noticed here, too? I was, You guys had... Uh, brought this to our attention before the show that Mark Dayton proclaimed, is it today? Is today go wild day? It's today. Okay, this has definitely been an annual thing. I just did a search on the Google machine. Mm-hmm. Let's see. April 20th, 2014. Governor Dayton urges Minnesotans to show their support for the Minnesota Wild. Governor Dayton today called on hockey fans across the state to rally behind the Wild as the team returns to the axe to take on the Colorado Avalanche in Game 3. Of the NHL playoffs. Oh, it's, oh coming back for the home that's game. That's the home game was, was yeah. okay. As Minnesotans, so we are proud to live in the great state of hockey, said Governor Dayton, uh, who was an all-state high school goalie in Minnesota. He was very good, yes. The Wild had two tough games in Colorado. Now they're playing two games in Minnesota where we can even up the series, go wild. April 16th, 2015, Governor Mark Dayton proclaims Go Wild Day in Minnesota. This was before, who'd they play that year? Uh, the Blues. They played the Blues then. First round, uh, 2015. Yeah, they beat them. Quote, we are proud in Minnesota to call our state the state of hockey, said Governor Dayton, who was an all-state high school goalie in Minnesota. <laughs> really? <laughs> Changed the team in the quote. I congratulate the team on an excellent season and wish them the very best of luck in the playoffs. Go wild. So they, they pretty much just take the same press and release. And so he's got the same See, thing. See, here it is. Here's the next sentence. Again today. Governor Dayton plans to wear his Minnesota Wild jersey to work at the state capitol on Monday. The next year, Governor Dayton wore his Minnesota Wild jersey today in a show of support for the team at the state capitol. Past tense, I like that. He had already worn it in that second. And then, day. so today is is the day for 2018. Is that right? It's today. Well, look, yes. we're jumping the gun. Wednesday, we, April 11th has wolf, been named Go wait? Wild Day. The Wolves day. getting no love as they try to make the playoffs. Sorry, if <laughs> you make the playoffs, you get Go Wild Day. We can get Go Wolves Day right. a little later. I, I've, I've read the proclamation. It's glorious. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're anticipating early next week. Maybe Go Wolves Day is like Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And so has the has the verbiage for 2018 been changed from what Phil just read, or did we get the same thing again? Well, I, could, I, I couldn't find the statement online. Maybe it, maybe it's I in Dave found it. I have the actual proclamation itself. Okay. This oh. isn't a, a statement or oh, a press all right. release. All right. The actual proclamation is glorious. Go ahead. Whereas, since its 2001 or 2000-2001 inaugural season, the Minnesota Wild have made eight playoff appearances. The years are listed. This year, 2017-18, the Minnesota Wild will make their ninth playoff appearance. And whereas, this season, attendance for Minnesota Wild games at the XL Energy Center totaled 780,501. Minnesota Wild fans attending games in person and those watching from home supported the team to this year's playoffs. And whereas, thousands of fans brought water from hometown Minnesota lakes, ponds, and backyard rinks to christen the ice sheet at XL Energy Center this season to proclaim, this is our ice. And whereas... We are all citizens of the great state of hockey, where hockey tradition runs deep. And whereas a big blue line runs around our state, a line that can't be crossed. Uh, that line also runs between the second and third rounds of the playoffs as well. And whereas Minnesota Wild players, fans, and local businesses are holding a pep rally to cheer on the team as they enter the playoffs for the sixth year in a row. And whereas it's playoff season. 
and the Minnesota Wild will fight to end to the end in the 2018 NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, therefore, I, Mark Dayton, governor of Minnesota, do hereby proclaim Wednesday, April 11, 2018, as Minnesota, excuse me, as Go Wild Day. Yes. That's very Fire good. So we yes. we had what? No fewer than eight whereases. <laughs> we had a What's total. Our, of there's gonna be more more two, goals three, scored four, by the Wild no, in the series, or more whereases in the proclamation. Seven whereases. Throw in an ergo too, or something. Okay, let's mix it up. Well, a little later, we've got in witness whereof. You know, the great seal down there. <laughs> A reminder to wear your team colors, forest green, iron range red, harvest gold, and Minnesota wheat. I forgot mine. You know who we haven't heard from yet? The Judbot 3000. I am very excited for the Wilds' first playoff game tonight against the Jets. In fact, I hope I can get this excited for all four or five games of the 2018 playoff run. Perhaps it will be just like last year. (laughs) Remember that? Lose the first three games. Avoid the sweep and watch fans trying to convince themselves it could still be a series only to watch the boys get smoked and sent home in Game 5. Honestly, what is more impressive? Making it into the playoffs six years in a row or the fact that they couldn't make the conference finals in even one of those years? Ponder that state of hockey. Ponder that state of hockey. That's nasty. Why, why does he have to be so negative all the time? Because does he realize human Judd's picking him in seven? Well, I I think he knows that human Judd might be putting on a fr- false front. Yeah, human he, no. human Judd can play good cop knowing that Judd three thousand does all of his dirty work behind the scenes. I would not okay. do that. I see opportunity Al Capone here. Didn't, Al Capone didn't pull the actual trigger. Okay, the Jets the Jets are are a nice young team, but come on, this is where you come in especially in the National Hockey League, and upset a club. All those years that Boudreaux had the playoff disappointments, this is the year he makes up for them. This is the year he finally has his luck change. So part of me now hopes, I'm changing my tune, I hope they get beat 5 nothing tonight just so we can hear Judd for the first half hour tomorrow. I'll beat the Wolves. I'm going the Wolves. <laughs> You're so confident that you don't even need to watch the game tonight. Hey, it's game one of the playoffs. I mean, come on. The the, the potential train wreck of the Wolves is way too enticing to pass up. <laughs> and you get to see it right in front of your very own exactly. eyes. Exactly. To see Tibbs just beat red the entire game. Oh, my God. Uh, Lou Nanny will join us when we come back.